Welcome back to Major Combos. My name is Corey, and with me every episode is my co-host, the genius Matthew Tenkate. Hey, Matt, welcome. Thank you. This is <laughs> going to be a long episode. This People is going to know me very well. This is going to be an awesome episode. I've been looking forward to it. Um, we're fortunate enough to have a good friend of ours, Laura Pierce, who is a people and culture expert. Um, there's a bit of history in in this one, so. We're excited to see where it takes us, but we're going to be talking all things, I guess, um, people management as, you know, as business leaders and also, um, I guess, the employee view of that. Um, and then we're doing a follow-up episode um, where we're going to be talking about culture specifically. But uh, welcome, Laura. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. I would like maybe people and culture genius, like if I could have Matt's would, level of title. Yeah. You, know, you have to be validated by two TV celebrities. Yeah. Yeah, you have to have the validation. I, unfortunately, he's correct. I don't like agreeing with him, but um, for those for those listening, um, Matt has had um, who was it again? Um, Koshi, Koshi called him a genius on air, and Ranger Stacy, and Ranger Ranger Stacy, Ranger Stacy was a stitch up. You don't get that one because I set that up um, to inflate your it ego. Counts. It counts. <laughs> but every day since we've known that Matt's a genius. Correct. And recently. And recently, validated by you know somebody in industry, they said it without um, without any prompting. Yes. Yeah. I may have made it. I've said that too. Now look, I'm, I'm very pleased to be sitting with a genius and Corey. I don't yeah. know if I've got the level of title for you. No. Uh, like myself, yes. Yeah. Look, one we'll day have to, we'll have to share that story. One day, I'll tell my story about how I arrived at that title, but we'll what? leave that for another day. You want to, we could do that at the end of the episode for those interested. Oh yeah, they might. So they can have the option of turning off if they want to. <laughs> they don't want to hear well, about it. We can all have career goals wow. and you know succession plans to become a genius. <laughs> anyway, thank you, Laura, <laughs> for taking the time. We, um, as I said, I'm really excited for this episode. But we're going to be getting into the um, the people management side of things. We think that I guess for listeners, um, you know, in the business world, not just the education sector, which we've talked to a lot, but just in business in general, obviously, people management. And um, I guess there's a lot to unpack in that. So we're going to sort of delve into a little bit more around um, what that looks like from business leaders. And but before we get into, I guess, curious for, I guess, for listeners to hear a bit about your background. um, You can tell us a little bit about your story. That would be great. Oh, um, look, so I did a degree in um, business management, uh, but I guess as a typical graduate, had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, I did always, ne- I always say I've never sold my soul to HR, and that's with true respect to the HR profession. Um, but really, I guess I have had a full career and sadly 20 years very soon in the HR, although I'm still 25. Um, <laughs> so you can do the max on that. <laughs> Uh, but look, I guess coming out of um, uni, I, I was really open. I was either going to go into marketing or HR and um, a HR job landed and really I took it. I was probably very shallow that it offered more money than marketing at the time. Right. Uh, so, uh, you know, that led me to going into a public service role and starting my career eight years there. Um, but I guess I probably never quite fit the public service mould. Um, as much as I learned a lot and got a really good grounding. You tell the uh, truth. You tell the truth too much. 
sadly, <laughs> sometimes, yes. <laughs> uh, but that's put me in good stead for lots of different opportunities. So, look, I've worked in construction. I've worked a lot in consulting, supporting lots of different industries. So that can be, uh, you know, from accounting to health um, to education. So I think I met Major um, training about 10 years ago, providing some consulting support. Um, yep. That was... I still remember the first day I met you, Laura. You were still working. You're you. still working at um, a large construction company, and uh, yes. a mutual colleague of ours introduced us. And then, who would have thought we'd still be talking all these years later <laughs> after all the conversations we've had over the years? But you've uh, you've definitely been a good um, sounding board for lots of lots of the. Um, I guess navigating the path of employing people and working with people and on both sides, customers and your own internal. Definitely. Well, I remember at that meeting hearing all about Alex Tenkate and just knowing that um, I I was like, oh, that would be, I, I need to meet Alex. <laughs> You're like, that would be a fun challenge. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> For those that know Alex. But I guess, look, a really diverse range of experience. I'm currently in a consulting business supporting the residential aged care industry just to add another industry uh, to it, which is um, aged care at the moment has its own challenges, but um, I guess really rewarding. So um, always kind of looking for that, you know, what purpose you can um, put back into an industry and when a business really needs it. And I guess on that note, it's important to, to I guess, for this episode regardless of the size of business or regard, regardless of the industry sector that, that you're in, uh, people are integral in every way, shape or form. I mean, at the end of the day, we've, we've been really fortunate, Laura, that you know, we've had a really good 12 months. The business has been going well and you know, that's been on no accident because it's on the back of some really good people in our team. Um, you know, honestly, Matt and I couldn't sit here and, and even do this podcast without some of the great people um, in our business. So, it's perfect that this episode we're focused around exactly that. And, and I guess I wanted to start with, you know, talk about, uh, like I just said, regardless of the industry, but what, what are the, some of the strategies, you know, we talk about managing people. It's obviously changed over the years a lot. Mm -hmm. um, for me, I guess sharing a story there is that, uh, you know, sort of growing up a little bit in major, a, a little bit in terms of management, I've, I've certainly utilized your expertise a lot to, to help me over the years so I've seen it change a lot but you just said 20 years what's um what's some of the changes that you've seen over that time that that jump out at you well I think to start with it's a bit of that reflection on even yourself like you know I came in as a graduate young enthusiastic wanted to conquer the world um, and I think you know you kind of do grow up a, a little bit and see different changes so um, you know I think sometimes the generational um, lens uh, can be an interesting one but really I think it's always then the young generation coming in which is totally needed for the future of a business probably always has some different challenges or unfortunately stereotypes but mm. you know that was from Gen Y, Gen y and Millennials coming in you know, taking out the uh, the Gen X, you know, wanting it all now. Between now, we're seeing the Gen Z come into the workplace, and probably that little bit of are they ready to work um, mode. But I think there's always been that little bit of generational stereotype, mm -hmm. um, and you know, I I, I think um, you know maybe it has some justices, but the reality is we're at work to work. Um, you know, we're we're paid for a role. 
And, um, you know, I think it's about, you know, people that work really hard and, and want a career will actually be rewarded um, and probably get, you know, a lot of support from that business that they're working with. So, you know, that probably hasn't changed um, yep. in a way, but um, I guess there's lots of layers you can and the generational lens think, is I probably think, one of them. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. You get Like anything you do in life, whether you're playing sport or making a recipe, if you put a lot of effort in, it's going to turn out all right. But if you don't put in a lot of effort and you generally get rewarded with a good result if you if you put the effort in. So, But it's a two-way street, I think. It's definitely you've got to have the right employer and um you know the right person who's having the right conversations i think there's a lot to be said in that um you know there's a lot there's a lot of things and depending on the size of businesses as well um you know that can really influence the type of conversations you're having with people but i you know that's something i've seen change whereas yeah, all i really encourage is you want to know about what's going on you don't see everything every day um and you're not a mind reader so you know people need to share what's going on for them whether it's at home or you know what they're with link worth and how you can help them i think it's is really important yeah and i kind of use that term a bit managing up so for team members you know there's nothing um like actually kind of managing your manager and saying hey i need this um, or i want this information or i need this communication or i have this need i think there's a lot of kind of expectations that a manager or leader will communicate everything that you need to know and they might not know what you need um and you know i, I love that there's that little bit of actually people do have that power to say i need this or this isn't working for me um and yeah, I kind of t use that term, managing up. So something that I wanted to bring into this, which I think is a good, um, I guess, lesson for people. And Matt, you mentioned when you first met Laura, you know, business was challenging and you wanted to bring about, I guess, some, some change in your approach because your learnings as well, as, you know, obviously you know, utilizing Laura to bring in, I guess, a fresh perspective and, and change the approach. Like, you know, you want to share a bit about that and, and the journey, I guess, as to how you brought Laura in and what that was? Um, well, it was a long time ago. <laughs> it was a long time I'm ago. I'm still 25. <laughs> <laughs> Blue, looking good. And you're about to have a baby, so, well, you know. You're, you're I am everyone 30, 37 weeks pregnant. So um, probably before this podcast uh, is released, there could be a real baby in the world. <laughs> um, yeah, I look, it's a good question. I think, you know, as I touched on earlier, like Laura and I met through an, an acquaintance and then Laura decided to go on and do her own thing. And we needed HR is always, I've learned over the years, it's an important, it's a very important piece of the buy. And, you know, you can talk about culture and, there was a lot of that conversation in in that time. Probably the, the market was tough in RTO land, so it was hard with people, hard with you know just making the business work. We had other um, pressures around with some external business stuff that was that was putting a lot of pressure on. So there was a lot in a lot of headwinds we were facing, and we needed some support to um, you know. I guess I think an analogy that you share a lot is like it's something you've got to keep the lights on. You've got to turn. You've always got to. You can't always just assume that it, culture's happening and without you keeping the lights on and focus to it. So, um, the introduction came through Louise Perenfisk and 
and Laura sort of started to come in and sort of give a bit of structure. Um, we changed a couple of roles. I think we had a bit of transformational stuff. I learned a lot of stuff about you can't do everything and you can't do roles that you don't like. And there was a period of time there that I did stuff that I wasn't proud of. There was stuff that I wasn't proud of when I reflect on it now, but also the, you know, I was managing people at a time. In a, I was managing people in areas of the business that I didn't enjoy. And, um, you know, you've got to have the right people in those spots to get the best out of people and the best results. And I think that was, um, was big. And then, you know, we... In amongst that, I think we had a couple of changes with some people. Laura brought in some, uh, I, I guess, what would you, you know, some, I don't want to call them games, but some, we took them that we went well, different through. Different strategies. We went through some strategies. Leadership team building. Yeah, it was starting with the leadership team being united. Yeah, so we did some of that stuff, I think, and that was, you know, lack of a better word, games, but the uh, you, you were really good at bringing those to the table. I think we had... A number of things that sort of the universe had lined up at once. I think Laura joined to help us externally, you know, and like every one of your clients at the time, I remember, you know, oh, we only want one hour a week. <laughs> <laughs> and it certainly, you were you were doing, I think you were doing 150 hours a week because of all the clients you had. And um, some, I know, remember at the time were more challenging than others, but uh, we tried to be nice to you. So you kept coming back and you kept coming back, which was we were very grateful for. But uh, in amongst that, you know, we, we brought some external, you know, speakers in. I remember we brought Steve Bradbury in and he was really good. Um, so there was a number of things, I guess, the universe lined up and then, you know, we we cha- had some change of people and I think that really changed some of the culture conversation. We really put the light, turned the lights onto the culture conversation. Um, we had we took a different perspective on different things in the business. You know, I, I used a story recently about computers you know, we had a person who was very fixated on having the, the cheapest computers around, but we changed that and that took away a lot of complaints, which mm. was, you know, a, a lesson I learned about people and it's not always about what they have or what they don't have, but if every day you wake up and the computer that you're using at work is a is a nightmare, it's a real bugbear in your role. So uh, I think we took some lessons from that and... Um, I did an engagement survey, I remember, and got lots of feedback about what people needed and what they wanted from the workplace. Yeah, so there was, I mean, there's a long list of of things. things. And I think we, I think, you know, for lack of a better word, we stacked on top of things. It didn't just, we turned, walked out on Friday and came back on Monday with a a transformed business. Um, I think it took a lot of time. I think I made mistakes in that time. There's people that I would have, you know, if I had my time again, dealt differently with, but you know, I, maturity of time, experiences of of doing things differently or seeing things dif- done differently, um, you know, I guess builds you to where you are today, which I think I'm a better leader or, you know, um, manager of people than I have, you know, in the past. But that's been thanks to having people like you around. So, Thank you. He's about to, he was about to tear I up. I think there's some tears. Yeah. Nicest thing I, feel like I, was, I feel like I was waffling on, but, you know, there was a lot, there's <laughs> like, it was a long time. I don't know how many, you, 10 years ago you were helping us. So it was, a, it was a, and there's a lot of stuff. And we, I mean, that we got a lot of war stories to share and I've got a lot of that, <laughs> some pretty out there ones, which are, um, which are pretty good. And there's and one in particular that I can't wait to hear that we have to share. Um, yeah. That we'll was get a, to that. Yeah. That was, yeah. But that, you know, we don't want to focus on the, those negatives. I guess that's one thing. It's the, the sad reality of, you know, challenging environments and people is people are unpredictable and, 
you have some really great ones, but then you have some that really um, have a big impact on not just, and that's the one thing I think, you know, we, we want to talk about today is like, it's important for people to take it, sit in each side of the fence. You know, I think yeah. a manager's got to sit in and, you know, team members, where their perspective's coming from to have a real balanced view and, and vice versa, because um, if you don't do that, you can't have a, 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 you can't have a balanced approach to that, I think. And, and, Often we don't see both sides. I think both sides are equal, uh, are guilty of not seeing it from each other's perspective um, to get a better outcome. So that, um, yeah, I think that's sorry to interrupt, but I think that's key for HR or people and culture or employee experience, whatever you want to call us with our identity crisis that we have. <laughs> um, but it is actually about you know understanding the business and the objectives and the industry and what needs to happen, but then aligning the people. So, you know, sometimes, um, you know, I always say, go to a barbecue and say you work in HR and say you're a consultant and people will say, I hate my HR person. Um, you know, that was really <laughs> common, probably less so now. Um, but, you know, that was really common for me. And it was like, well, why do you hate your HR person? And I think I took a real um, philosophy that I wanted to change that. You know, I wanted yeah. people to deeply um, be heard, and have great workplaces, but likewise, we needed leaders and managers to, you know, connect with that. And also we, we've got to balance that between the realities of a business. Yeah. And, you know, there is a fine line that you kind of have to, you know, step across and, and juggle. Um, but, you know, it's not just one side, it's not all employee side or it's not all management side. Um, and I guess that I would kind of say is a, key for leaders, for HR professionals, for, for anyone, um, you know, working in a business, there's a balance between the, the people need and the business. Yeah. There's something that I was, I was actually just talking to someone about this the other day who had worked in a business for a number of years as an employee, um, moved on, you know, spent a few years in the same industry and then actually returned into the business and then moved into a leadership role. And I asked them, what do you think changed over that time? And I think about this for myself is that when you're employee, you've obviously, and rightly so, you're focused on yourself because you're accountable for yourself and yourself only. Um, and then when you move into a leadership role or a management role, you're then responsible for others and you have to be thinking about the bigger picture, so the more holistic approach of things. And that what this person said to me was that they realised that when they're an employee and it's maturity was a big part of it which matt mentioned before was just that you know she mentioned that uh when she was an employee she uh, so focused on herself she never considered anything else that was going on within the business or what they needed or whatever it was all about her now four or five years on she's had this like changing of understanding and realized oh well it's actually a bit of both like she realized that looking at the business holistically was important understanding the manager's view but then from the manager's side understanding that what's important to the employee is really important in their world because it's them and that's their focus if that makes sense yeah um might not be important to you but it's important to them yeah like or it might seem like something small like you mentioned the the computers right like that's obvious like that to me is the perfect example where you might have been like they're just computers like whatever yeah, that's what we like we'll just yeah like whatever you need we'll just do that but you're not thinking about that day to day, whereas the employees that are in it that are using them day to day, as you said, coming in and they're dealing with a nightmare, like it's a big deal to them. And 
fair enough. So, but that's the communication and having those conversations and managing up, as you mentioned, like I think in our business, if someone came to me uh, and actually Duncan, who's doing this for us, mentioned to a couple, someone to me recently who had not mentioned to me that their computer was giving them grief and Dunk came to me and said, can I order a computer for them? I was like, go and make it happen, mate. Like they're using it every day if it's a problem and they haven't said anything. <laughs> Go and get one. Just do it. Comes it. back the business case is that it's affecting productivity and per- affecting performance and morale and, and morale and everything know. else. Like it's a it's a really probably simple thing to you know implement and get right, and um, yeah. actually has an effect on business performance. Yeah. So the point I guess I was trying to make in my little we've seemed to waffle a little bit today, but the point I was making was just the small things matter and being you know really open with communication. I, I find myself over the years trying to improve that. Um, you know, trying to share more with the team and I guess give them insight into what's going on and, and I find people tend to respond to that better. You know, being kept in the dark and not knowing is worse than maybe having a bit more information. So trying to improve on that. Um, you mentioned, and that brings me to, I guess, to the point that we talked about this off air is like there's different styles, different styles in management leadership, that whole thing. Like talk to me about some of the stuff that you've done with that, Laura? Well, I think in my wedding vows, I did say that I had made my husband do every psychometric test that there was that existed. <laughs> well. um, so I have used a few different tools in psychometric testing over time for different purposes. Um, but look, one that I really love and I guess I had absolutely worked with Major on is a, um, it's a really, I guess, a work style preference. So it helps anyone understand their work style preference and that can also be communication. Um, yeah. preference and behavior um, but it's disc it's d-i-s-c um, and I can kind of explain I guess those different styles um, but I guess really powerful in um, you understanding what your preference is um, yeah. and really building that self-awareness I kind of say when you understand your style and you have self-awareness, you only then can understand other people and, you know, not all styles work as well together. Um, You know, it's absolutely about being adaptable to other styles um, and knowing, I guess, what's going to work for you as well. Have you found that that's something that's used a lot in different businesses, having consulted and worked around a lot of different areas? Is that something that you see is used or do you think it's actually underused? I think it's underused. I think I still asked the first question. I said, have you done any type of personality or profiling tool before? And so many people still say no and, you know, have been in workforce for a very long time. Um, So, you know, that does surprise me that, um, you know, they haven't come across whether that's Myers-Briggs or... um, There's so many. Yeah, there's so many. There's ones with animals. you know, or any type of kind of 360 or, or other other parts. So I do think it's absolutely underused. And, you know, if I was saying to a graduate now or someone going into any workforce, uh, you know, understanding your work style preference to help identify what career and job um, you might enjoy more, I think it would be a really powerful thing. Um, you know, I know um, some of my styles I need to kind of use other people in my team to, to be everything I'm not because, you know, I just don't enjoy, I think going back to Matt's comment as well, taking on tasks that I might not be as strong at or, you know, I just don't have a, um, 
preference. They don't give me energy. Yeah. I know that, um, you know, I can work with other people to, to do that and, you know, then play much more to my strengths. I think on that, you know, the number of um, profiling or 360 or all those HR, there's, there's a bit of a, a try it out and see what works. It's not every organisation, yeah. they should pick the one that works best for them, you know, and I think some suit other organisations better, suit people better, they like a particular style of one or, you know, this worked for us, 360 worked for us, you know, um, but, you know, there's all, there's every time, if you go to other, you know, you go there's to events, people, there's a lot and people have, oh, no, we haven't done that one, we've done this one and, and there's no right or wrong, I guess it's what, what you think is um, is best suited for the business and those ones have worked, you know, I think they were good for us. Yeah, I think and it's... Sorry. sorry, Corey, no, I was just right. going to say, there's no right or wrong in, you know, you can use multiple and take something from each one of them as well. So, yeah, I, I feel like I've used multiple over different times and every tool, you know, I've probably learned something different uh, from, you know, the previous tool as well, so... I was just going to say, I think the, the thing about the... And just using DISC as an example is is something that's actually that comes out of it that you probably don't realize you're doing it to get the profile you you mentioned preferencing it's important to say that this is just a tool that you can use amongst many things but it's more about that's your preference it's not that you can't do the other things or you don't have parts of the other the other um preferences it's just that this might be the one you met you framed out really well years ago i remember you said it's it's actually what when you're in the moment of what you said i don't know if you remember it if, you're, if when you're under pressure or you're in that critical moment of decision making you revert back to that preference that's like the the dna of it i guess it's not that you can't do the other things but you revert back to that um, it takes more energy to be a style that you're not so yeah. you know when we are under pressure and the pressure's on you know we revert back to a style that doesn't take much energy yeah so may, i don't know for listeners if we want to just talk through the four styles so they know and they can go do their own research yeah for sure um, and then well everyone can have a pick what maybe matt and corey are uh, <laughs> in, in hearing you styles. might have to, you might have to t- yeah talk, talk us through it and then we'll we'll reveal <laughs> Well, well, genius is a so, genius isn't on it. Sorry, Matt. Disc. There's uh, no, there's no G in there. Yes, there's no G. It's a yeah. special Sorry. category for me. Yeah, there is a special category in in disc anyway. So we'll we'll get to that. Over to you, so, Laura. Yeah. So D is the dominant style. I say someone who's more extroverted but task focused, um, really focused on results, being direct, making quick decisions. Yeah. Um, what if know, they're like off the chart D though, Laura? Like, because there are levels, isn't there? There are levels. <laughs> so, you know, you can be more adaptive and have other styles associated, but you can be very clear uh, in that style and dominant. Uh, hint, hint to the genius on this <laughs> podcast who might be a very strong D. Um, well, we were coming to this at the end of this conversation. But... <laughs> Well, anyway, we gave it away. Oh, you did. <laughs> um, but I guess like reflecting on that, you know, Matt, you're a decision maker, you move quickly, yeah. you're decisive, uh, you can make, do things on your, on your feet, um, which is really important for your role um, leading a business. There's another word they use for the D because you said it's dominant. There's another word. Direct. That's it. Direct. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I put up anyway. I put up with this every day. This is just wanted to sit there for a second. Just let it sit there for a second. This is what I deal with. I've I've actually feel like I've changed. But Laura, do you want to do it again? Corey, do you want to do it again? Corey, um, Corey keeps 
interrupting because he can't help trying to rip on me. But um, <laughs> I know. did tell Matt recently that he hasn't changed. But um, <laughs> look, Matt, maybe you are using other styles, but I'm sure under pressure, uh, you know, you might revert back to your dominant style. I think that's a better way to describe me. There you go. And we do. We do have to be different styles in the course of a day. It just takes more energy. So, you know, when you're in your uh, D style, you probably have had a really good day and you're really energized. Um, You know, if you were having to be uh, a different style, you're just taking more energy. Yeah. So I guess next style then is about influence. So still very extroverted, like getting their energy from people, um, but um, much more people orientated than task. Um, outgoing, enthusiastic, um, highly spirited, lively, um, really bringing people together. Um, you know, that difference between the D and the I, I kind of say the D doesn't want to cut around the bush. Let's get things started. I might want to actually kind of talk about the relationship and the people and can shoot the breeze a little bit more. Um, so, you know, while we're talking styles, I think uh, Corey associated more to I um, was, um, was where your profile also landed. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And I had the D stuff as well. And I think I like we, we sort of found out that within this business, having all the different styles was actually really important. Um, like you mentioned earlier, there's things, especially in, you know, in our business, there's a lot of different tasks, a lot of different areas. We'll never get to the, all the styles because Corey keeps okay. wanting to talk. Let's keep down, Laura. <laughs> S. He's an I. That's <laughs> what I do. <laughs> so he's dominant. So he had to be. To styles here. I was he trying to, to influence. He there. had to be dominant. Uh, I guess next is steadiness and we're probably then going more into the introverted style. So do need that time to reflect, to get their energy. Um, But steadiness, I I still is very people orientated. So really good team players, even tempered, they're accommodating, they're patient. Um, I always say they're a little bit like the duck on the water, really calm above, but probably pedaling like Maj underneath. Um, So sometimes (laughs) you've got to peel back the layers a little bit for an S with what's really going on. Um, but you know, on on top, they can look very calm and steady, and they just get the job done. Yeah. Um, great team players, um, and very collaborative, I guess, as well. An S, um, and then we go into conscientiousness, which is much more um, so st- extra. So sorry, introverted, um, but task focused, and much more detailed data. Yep. Give them a spreadsheet any day and time to reflect and get into the details. Um, you know, is your uh, C style. Yep. So I, I say poor Cs, um, you know, when they're maybe working with a D or an I, you know, they've spent a lot of time perfecting their work <laughs> and getting it right. And, you know, a D or an I might come in and very quickly say, well, that's wrong. And that might be really, you know, impactful to a C because how could they know when they haven't spent that much time and, you know, they've just come in and been really decisive. So you can kind of see sometimes different styles, Yeah. Uh, you know, when working together can either, you know, be a little bit more challenging. I always say it's easy to work with a style like yourself, but at the same time, some styles themselves cl- clash, like two Ds working together. Yeah. Uh, so I guess it's understanding that, you know, self-awareness first, what is your style and how you then work with other styles and what may you need to adapt. Yep. To your point where you were speaking earlier, 
the importance though is there's no right or wrong you know in no. it is it is your go-to in moments of pressure and it's important to know yourself so when you are operating you have awareness of how you are communicating but it's equally important to educate people about what they are and what others are so that they may not take offense if they are you know your example there where a d comes in and says this is all rubbish you know see and they they take straight immediate offense but you have an awareness they're not having a personal attack at you it's just their style they want to get to the end they want to you know it's not fluff around while the d needs to slow down and change their style of communication i think it's important and and you know to your point earlier Corey, that that different parts of businesses suit better people you know uh, not better people better you know better styles of of disc you know you're not seeing uh you know we've got compliance it's not a role that i'm going to be um in the detail good at because <laughs> no, I'm like a person with a stronger C style Correct. compliance will be so energized and happy in that role. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you did put a high I style in more of a compliance role, not to say they can't do it, but it might take a lot of energy for them to get into that detail every day. So, you know, I guess back to my original point for people coming into a workforce and, you know, having a role, or picking a career, sometimes deeply understanding yourself and what those preferences are can really help you make those decisions yeah. um, to be satisfied, you know, in the type of role that you align yourself to. That's the best thing about it is actually gets you thinking. That's probably, the, you know, aside from the, the fact that it will reveal some of the stuff too, because you read about yourself and you're like, wow, this is like bang on. But the best part is that it gets you thinking. So I, I encourage people listening if they're in, you know, leadership roles and they haven't looked at the, the profiling stuff I'd, I'd have a look at it there are some free ones that you can do online as you've mentioned so some are better than others you just got to sort of do a bit of the research but um, I think it's good because it just gets you thinking about things in a different way and that's powerful in itself yeah and I, but I think it's also the managing up and you know if we're, if someone's listening to this and handing it up to their manager they may not have heard about it yeah, yeah we spoke to a, a guy a couple of weeks ago and he you know it was interesting He's very passionate about tradies who are, you know, well, not just tradies, people who have been on the hand, you know, hands on the on. tools, hands on, and then they've been in a role and they've been identified as someone who's got a bit of leadership capability, but they've had no training and all of a sudden they're thrown into, you know, all the HR moving parts. They don't know about their this style. They might be a D, so then they're real, and, you know, they're upsetting people everywhere, but you know, they haven't had any real formal training. And I think that's, um, again, having, you know, handing it up the line and saying, hey, maybe this would be helpful for our team to understand so we can communicate better um, mm. is important. You know, we, I definitely think, I, and I, you know, we say we say to people when we onboard them, you know, no idea is a bad idea. If you've, if you've, um, if you've done something, experienced something that you think has been good in the past, then, you know, share it. We may have done it may not have done it, but we, um, you know, we're always interested in trying to, you know, take what we can out of those things. And, and some people, you know, we've not seen those uh, different types of, um, I guess, education tools before. Yeah. What are some other strategies um, for managing people, Laura, that you've come across in, in your time that you think would be worth sharing? Look, I think for a manager and, and equally then for a team member, um, 
you need to use different styles for, you know, a particular task or situation. So, you know, I I guess maybe starting at the end, um, commonly we see managers say, I can't delegate. (laughs) You know, I I just, it's easier if I do it myself, Um, which only leads to, you know, spending a lot more time working on things and and really they're not giving team members as well that opportunity for growth and development to get into different tasks. Uh, So, you know, I would say um, delegation is not just a, here's a task and do it. It is actually a process in, uh, you know, probably initially providing lots of instructions and being actually really direct with what is needed. Um, But, you know, moving then into more of a coaching role. Great, we've got this task. How do we do it last time? You know, how do I coach and maybe ask more questions rather than tell, um, you know, into much more of a supporting role before we can really delegate. And that's where I guess from a team member point of view as well, really saying, hey, I need some more coaching around this task because I'm really not sure how to do it. You know, and I know the whole sink and swim philosophy and we've all been in sink and swim situations, but sometimes it's not as nice and sometimes we we do sink um, and, you know, we don't get that outcome. So, you know, I would really say um, to both, you know, managers and team members, really think about it's not just also about where you are as a person, it's the task. I think um, we often see, you know, new people get promoted, similar Matt, your tradies, they've had skills, they've got promoted, it's just taken they're a high-performing tradie, they're going to be fine in a leadership role. Well, it's a completely different role and situation. They're going to need a lot more direction and coaching around that task rather than just the person themselves. So one tool, which is where I'm kind of talking, it's called situational leadership. It's an old tools kind of developed in the late sixties and seventies. And I still love it as a tool and use it with leaders. Um, But it really kind of shows that depending on the task of a person, you adapt and change your style from being direct to coaching, to supporting, to being able to delegate. Um, And I think, of course, we want to delegate. We want our team to grow and develop. um, But, you know, we want to delegate so then, you know, we can get on with lots of other jobs that we have as well. Do you think, like, it's important for people to have some, like, self-awareness of doing some own, their own style of, um, you know, can't all be given to them. They need to, you know, there's so much, like, we're doing, obviously, the podcast to sort of build profile and, you know, we want to meet lots of people, learn lots of, we want to learn along the way as well but um do you think it's important for people to really take some of that on their own bat and and learn yeah read this book or it can't all be fed to them like um well if you want to if you want to move into that you've got to do the work right is that what you mean like if you want to not everyone wants to be a manager not everybody wants to be president like but if you want to you've got to do the work along the way like the own your own professional development is that what you're well you know like let's say we can have a structured you know performance development plan for you and all that um you know we can go through putting you on external courses i mean we're a training business it's pd but we can send people on we can get people in to do um you know teach them about organizational management well you know there's the list is huge but you know is there there is got to be some accountability on yourself um, you know, to do some of the heavy lifting, you know, we, you can lay it and it's one of the reasons why online courses often don't go well because you've got to do the heavy lifting yourself. 
Um, but even with you, you know, if you are going on a course, like you have to be open to learning. So, you know, you have to have go in there with motivation. I think the last thing I always hate is when it's like, oh, my manager sent me here to this course, you know, the information that's going to be retained, but the investment made, you know, someone's not committed to actually what that learning is. So, yes, if that's it's doing point, it off yeah. your own bat or your business is putting you through you know, different coaching or a different course or other things like we've just, we've got a learning environment, you know, that we have to kind of understand I'm, I'm, I'm opened to learning new things here. That's a really good point. It's not, it's a, and it's, a, but it's also a, it's again, it comes back to communication. Managers shouldn't just go, oh, I'm outsourcing this problem. They don't have time management skills. I'm just going to send them on a time management course. <laughs> Absolutely. And they go off to the time management course and I got it. Well, I don't want to be here. I just got sent here. Um, I think that's really important. You know, it is definitely talking about, hey, I, whether this is a, something that we think you've got a gap in or would you like to learn more? I mean, some of the best learnings I've had is just being in a, in a collaborative forum, talking with other business owners, hearing their stories. I've learned a lot in those. So you may go to a course that's about time management, but you meet other people, your peers and you learn from them and you can build a you build a network of people that you can lean on ask questions from from time to time um you know some of my best learnings have come from those type of engagements well i'd say that's the old 70 20 10 rule so 70 percent of our learning is actually on the job uh you know and that's where we put it in practice and learn uh 20 is actually through like network and coaching and peers you know having that support around us and 10 percent is actually formal training so you know we we balance that and i think people still do think okay you know i, I do need to go and uh, you know go on that course but that you need to go on that course and then go and put 70 percent of your time into actually putting it in practice and you know that that is the rto world as well it's practical <laughs> You know, you you go and have a real then experience in being able to put that into practice. But you know, I think sometimes even in management that might that might get lost a little bit. That I went on the course, but then I haven't been able to put it into practice. Well, it's probably then going to be lost. It's a, it's a good segue, I guess, into a question. We've got like, what's you know, as a young person, I mean, I I think I'm old now, so I don't feel like I'm old, but. Um, yeah, 20 something years. I can't, well, when I say 20 years ago, I'm like, oh, that was only the other day, but I was, that was when <laughs> I was leaving school a bit longer ago than that, actually. But, um, you know, for young people navigating, you know, coming into a business, like what's, you know, have you got a style tips, how they should, what do you, what's your view of that? You've, you know, seen it across many industries. You know, is there a, is there a secret sauce, special recipe? There's a few little things, but I just think I, I mentioned in the beginning, it's hard work. It's work. So it's not about I've, I've come into workplace and, you know, it's all fun and games and, you know, I'm just here for the experience. Like it is about you, you have a role um, and it is work. And one thing I always often say to younger people, work like you want the promotion or work like you're in a role above you if, if you know, that's what you want. Um, because that's then how you'll be treated. So, um, you know, one experience I think, um, if I think about my 
younger self or, or or so I when I worked in the public sector I remember a manager said to me you never put in toil like you're always working overtime and you never put in toil and I said yeah because senior managers don't get toil so why would I and you know I I worked like I was a, you know I wanted to be yeah. in a senior manager role and I guess that has just gone with me through my career as well you know always working above the role I'm probably in um, and you know naturally I guess that progression has happened so for someone coming in I think you know if you want to be treated um, in the you know in the role or you've got different environment like well you know work to that but think about what ha- what 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 is that next move um, and you know put in that hard work and you know, I truly do believe, um, yeah, in the right business, you will be rewarded and, um, you know, given things like pay rises and promotions and, you know, that only just then impacts, um, you know, life um, to be able to to do the things that you want to do. Yeah, I think um, that's a good point. I think the, uh, the, the flip side of that is, you, you, and you actually said this is in the right business, there are probably people that, that do that and then are not given what they see as the opportunity that they deserve and then they can become a little jaded by that experience and that's difficult to not take with you to the next workplace um but finding the right opportunity and i think a part of that is also to we mentioned managing up earlier i think something that's really important that i value in our team is if they let me know what their ambitions are if they have goals for development if they have goals to move into different roles or learn new things or whatever like it doesn't hurt to actually ask and it and doesn't mean you get it right there and then but i know for myself in our business having a bit more of an understanding of what people desire and would like to do short term long term whatever i can consider those things when making different decisions that might impact that or where i can give exposure to them for different things and but you know you know especially in a bigger business, it's impossible to know that about every single person. So my advice to the younger person that might have that desire, not even necessarily a younger person, just a person in general, is to also let, don't be afraid to let your manager know that, hey, these are the types of things that I want to do. This is where I want to go with it. Anything you recommend, like seek out that, you know. Absolutely. And I think when, you know, uh, for someone as well, like it is about time, like it's not about I've done this for two months and now I'm seeking this recognition. You know, that's also a big thing, I think, at the moment of smaller amount of time. It it, it does actually sustain period of time. We're probably talking years. You may need to put in that work for some of that recognition. So, um, yeah, that that's a a hard part as well. It's not just a quick time and thinking progression is going to happen. Mm. Um, it can it can take time, but you know if you've also then got a whole bunch of achievements on what you've done, and that business says, well, you know, there's no opportunity here. Um, you've got great achievements to be able to go, you know, to somewhere else to say, look what I've been able to achieve, um, and been a huge stepping stone probably into a into a different role. I, I, I want to say, because I'm pretty passionate about this, is that I think you know, there are times like people want people in businesses a long time, you know, that whether they, that age is still around where people stay for a long time. But I think that can be if they're in the right environment and given the right learning opportunities, they can stay. But I think that it comes back. It's a 
it's a two-way street it's a communication style you know to Corey's point what's people's goals where they want to go what what would they like to see eventually you know they that understanding that helps you know the leaders in the business shape the business maybe there's opportunities that will be created because they understand where their passions lie and so forth so that's i think um you know very very important but i do also think it's quite important that um you know when you're in a role and you know maybe it's not what you think it what you want it to be or you know that you have the opportunity where you share that and i'm big an advocate of you know some organizations it's possible to do this but you know in ours i don't like surprises i'd rather people be you know i'd really like them to say hey i'm not happy or you know my time here's done i'm i want to do something else and we work through that together because you know there's all these stories let's face it war stories of when people leave organizations and it can be done so poorly on both sides you know people just disappear and don't you know or they leave in a really unfavorable way or something happens at a critical time and they leave right when there's a lot of pressure on and that affects the business so then the business feels very affected by that when all those things can be solved by just having you know a, an adult conversation about it and saying you know i think it's time and you know i want to start looking and you go okay well you know why can't we change that why can't there be a way to you know come and go in organizations where you leave positively and you know i always say that you know you remembered for the last sadly you remembered for the last five minutes in the role rather than the first five years mm-hmm. if you leave really poorly in those last five minutes you know that's you've just ruined your reputation and that's a sad that's sad and you sh- it shouldn't be that way um so i always encourage people you know speak up you know, we want to foster them. We want them here for a long time. We can't do that without people communicating and telling us what their needs are or what they're, where they want to go. But equally, you know, we understand if it's time to yeah. you know, move on. And that's why I truly do not believe in exit interviews. You know, I feel like there should be communication broadly. And I love nothing more when someone says, look, I, I'm thinking, you know, my time might be up in this organisation. And it's either, you know, mutually supporting you know understanding why or we can do something about that you know we can provide something different to what you want um you know when it doesn't have to kind of end in that way but you know I do think you know people from an exit interview once someone has resigned and got another job um you know the ship has sailed unfortunately so you know likewise managers leaders need to be ensuring that they have that trust with their team to be able to create that environment, but also team members managing up and saying, I am going to have that conversation about how I'm feeling, um, you know, before it kind of comes to that. Yeah. And that word's critical trust. You can't just have a wake up tomorrow and have a, an authentic conversation with somebody. It's about managers building trust with their people so that they can, they can have those conversations. There is a whole podcast on culture. (laughs) There is. That's coming. What about, um, just I guess to wrap it up though, but something that you just mentioned before was around obviously moving into management. I always think about the ego stuff and you've talked a lot about this in the past is being able to put, because I just think about all of this kind of ties into the ego part of when you are bought, you know, brought into a leadership role, management role. There is an element of ego that comes with that, that, you know, I'm now the boss, you know, and you like, trying to put that aside because everyone carries it to, to, to some degree and everyone carries it differently. But being open to hearing, like Matt mentioned, when people want to move on or if I think on the other side of that is the criticisms that, or critique, I should say, 
that can be constructive around that. You know, you've got to be open, put the ego aside. You don't know everything. You're not perfect. And being able to hear, I guess, other people's opinions. Um, like I know myself just in our business over the journey of that is that I've had to be open to hearing feedback around something I've done, my approach, whatever it is, um, to, to improve how you would do that moving forward. You know, and I think if you don't put your ego aside, then you don't hear that or you don't appreciate that. And, you know, you know the person might give you feedback. They might not be 100% accurate every time, but you've got to take, take it in, use it, you know, reflect, and, and there's an opportunity to improve, right, over time. And the opposite to ego is vulnerability. So, you know, if we're holding on to our ego in a way, um, we're not being vulnerable. You know, putting the ego aside, we all have ego. Um, you know, that's we're human, but sometimes we then have to put that aside and actually be really vulnerable. And we know when we have vulnerable conversations, we put ourselves out there in mm. sometimes those situations, we are actually, there's better outcomes. We're more satisfied. The person that we're working with is more satisfied because we've worked through something really hard. Yeah. So you know, vulnerability is its own piece. It can be scary and we want to protect ourselves with our ego. Um, but, you know, I say for workplaces and managers and individuals thinking I'm going to have to go and have a really vulnerable conversation here. Um, but I always know vulnerability will lead to satisfaction and probably a better outcome than not. Fair. It's a good place to end it on. I'll just uh, close it with the ego part that try working with a genius. Well, 10 years ago, there was a lot of ego, right? But, you know, we've softened the, the genius up now to be... Uh... <laughs> I don't want to invite anybody else on that knows me very well. <laughs> it's dangerous. It is dangerous. There are... Well, but that's, you know, the fact is the that's the truth, isn't it? So I'm sure if there's anyone who sits there and, and isn't doesn't have that ability to be vulnerable or have a self-awareness that how they operated 10 years ago and like it just it doesn't cut it these days you you've you know how i operated 10 years ago is different and yeah you know was it bad was it good it was part of a journey i've learned a lot in that time and you know all jokes aside i can and i can handle a joke thank you very much but um you can't he'll bring it up i have got better as you both have said <laughs> to me so i appreciate that i am not perfect and i'm still working on it but um, I am open for feedback as well. No, yeah, I do. It's, it's putting in the work, you know, yeah. and we will continue to evolve, um, you know, as leaders and, and people. And that's where I think people coming into the workplace just need to be open to that kind of learning and evolution as well um, yeah. to, you know, where you can go because it can be truly actually life changing, um, you know, in how we actually live life as well, not just from a workplace perspective. Yeah, I, we rip on Matt all the time obviously, because he loves it, but he's right. And I can honestly say that uh, he's definitely not the same person in the way he approaches things. And, and I'd like to think I'm not either. I think that over the years you, you do adapt and learn and change. And But one thing that's difficult is as a leader is like if you've, uh, you know, had an experience from seven years ago, like if, if someone came to me today and said, oh, yeah, I met Matt eight years ago and – this was my viewpoint, like it would be hard to relate to that because that's not who you see now. So, but he, and he's taken that on board, but obviously, 
you know, someone outside or whatever has a different view of you, like, I think something to keep in mind is people change. That, you know? And that's the, the extension to that is the businesses, though. People yeah, go, oh, the same, yeah. that business is rubbish because of X, Y, and Z. Well, it could have been the people at the time. It could have been yeah. a whole layer of things. Eight years ago, ten years ago, things have changed a lot. Like, you've got to give people another chance, you know, and that I think is um, very important. Good place to stop. Give people another show, chance. That's it. Thank you, Laura. Thanks, Laura. We appreciate your insight. We um, will be following up with a, 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 a session specifically on culture. Um, but that's the end of the episode today. Follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, at Major Combos. Um, please share, like, leave us a review. Um, and if you've heard something you'd like to hear more of, please let us know. Um, or if you have something else um, that's you know along the same lines of this, so please give us feedback and um, we appreciate it. Thanks, Laura. Thanks, we'll Laura. Thanks, everyone.